The Bible reading today comes from Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. And we pray for you, Lockie, that you'll do really well today. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Have you heard of Leviathan, the most powerful creature of the seas? His snorting flashes with light, while his eyes are like the rays of the dawn. Flaming torches shoot from his mouth. Fiery sparks fly out. And his underside is made of jagged pieces of ceramic. When Leviathan rises, the mighty are terrified. Swords, spears, darts, arrows, and javelins have no effect. Lay one hand on him, and he'll make sure you never forget the day you did. This is how God describes Leviathan to Job. We can make light of him a bit now. But it's what he represents that's more important. For a Jew, he represents the pagan nations and the darkness coming against Israel. While for us today, we might find him more representative of these seemingly insurmountable problems that rise up against us, that put us far outside our comfort zone. As a Christian, when a Leviathan arises in our life, the question is simple. Do we run for cover, afraid, or do we stand firm with faith in our Lord Almighty, no matter how futile it feels? In the six verses of Mark that we're looking at today, we see the disciples face an incredible trial like this. A great windstorm arising, the waves breaking over the boat so that the boat was being swamped. These guys are questioning everything, staring death right in the eyes. But let's backtrack in the Gospel of Mark a little bit. It's important that we look at the brief journey the disciples had been on with Jesus thus far to try to understand how the disciples were thinking as they learned more about Jesus. And secondly, why on earth would their teacher choose to sail them into a raging storm? In the lead up to the storm, they had seen Jesus do some remarkable things. As recorded in the first chapter of Mark, the first four disciples see him speak with the authority of God, then go on to act with that same authority, healing many and driving out demons. And this is right off the bat. As soon as they drop their nets, They see Jesus doing these things, ministering in a completely different way to what they were used to. He was ministering in a superhuman way. Now, you can bet that they would have been pretty excited about their new friendship with Jesus. I mean, would you prefer to stay in your job as a fisherman or go out and follow this so-called fisher of men who's doing all these crazy miracles to the point where even the demons see that he is God and tremble with fear before him? I mean, no offense to those in the fishing industry, but I'd want to keep following this Jesus guy around for as long as possible. So what do they do? They keep on following Jesus. 
They observe him as he forgives people of sin. He deflects the hardest of questions with these really smart, divinely inspired answers and pulls apart thoughtless accusations with pure logic. They listen as he he gives the world's first TED talk, the Sermon on the Mount, and they get to be on the secrets behind these tricky parables that Jesus taught with. Hopefully you're getting a sense of where the disciples must have been emotionally. They were on a high. This was the coolest thing they'd ever seen. Who can deny it? It's fun to be on the winning side. It's fun to be in a place of comfort where nothing can touch you, not even the demons, disease or death, because the presence of God is with you. But as a lot of us know, our faith journey isn't always that easy. Often enough, a storm does come. A leviathan rises up in front of us. Behold, an orange. Can you see the orange? Do you believe the orange is there? Okay, witness this. The orange flies gracefully through the air and lands back in my hand. Do you believe the orange just did that? It's pretty impressive. Okay, now do you believe that if a thousand soldiers were walking towards me, spraying bullets at my face, I could just hold the orange out in front of me and it would deflect every single orange, every single bullet? Do you believe that? Um, so you, you, you see the orange, you believe it is there, but the confidence you have in it is little. You lack faith in it. And that's obviously sensible. I don't want to hear any stories about someone starting a cult that worships orange tomorrow. Um, But why are we talking about fruit? Well, it helps us to consider where the disciples were at with their relationship with Christ. The beginning of his ministry was such a positive and encouraging time of observation for the disciples, as we just went through. Win after win after win. But at what point during this period did they need faith? Like we just saw the orange... The disciples saw Jesus. Like we believe the orange physically exists. The disciples believed Jesus physically existed. He was right before them. But when it came to placing their confidence, their trust, their faith in Jesus, things weren't so sure. Just as we aren't so sure that the orange can defend us from an army. When the fishermen dropped their nets, was it wholeheartedly? When they made this bold decision to follow Jesus, Were they only thinking of following him to a point? Or would they faithfully follow him to the brink of death? At first, it almost seems reckless for Jesus to have led their little boat into the storm. But he needed to show them that he was worth putting all their faith in. He knew these guys would be instrumental in sharing the good news. What value would they be in building the church if they themselves didn't have any faith? It wasn't reckless for Jesus to bring them into a terrifying storm. It was required. Often, when we find ourselves having been led into a storm, our first instinct is to look for the way out. It's hard to see a good result coming from affliction. But in James 1, we read, The testing of faith produces endurance. Let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. We've all had times where we see that dreaded leviathan, that great windstorm coming towards us over the horizon, and we try to save ourselves or avoid it altogether. 
could we stop struggling away for a moment and consider what could actually be on the other side of this storm? Maybe it'll be intense, but maybe I'll grow as a person from it. Or maybe someone else will be really blessed if I stick it out. What if I place my faith in something higher than my own reasoning and try to endure it? If we keep reading, we find ourselves in the midst of the storm and come across this striking juxtaposition of the frantic disciples trying to wake up Jesus, who's sleeping like a log on his little cushion. Teacher, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? Jesus is no fool to what's happening around him. But what does he know that the disciples don't? I mean, some of these guys are experienced fishermen who know how to handle themselves in storms. If even they are so fearful, surely Jesus should be too. The fact that he's just there sleeping is what I find to be the most encouraging part of this passage. We've talked about the power of Leviathan, but he isn't the only creature in the sea that the Bible mentions. Daniel dreams of four beasts coming out of the sea. Revelation mentions a sea beast with seven heads and ten horns. In Mark 5, after they've sailed through the storm, Jesus sends a legion of demons out of a man and into a herd of pigs. And where do the pigs immediately run? Straight into the Sea of Galilee. In every one of these instances, the sea is connected to things antithetical to God and his rule. Over and over, ingrained in the Bible and Jewish culture, is the idea that the sea harbors these powerful and often demonic forces. So we've got a boat in a deadly storm, powerful demonic forces, and a sleeping Jesus. A deadly storm, demonic forces, and still Jesus is sleeping right through it. Are you getting it? Everything that the darkness could possibly muster up is not enough to even stir Jesus from his nap. Honestly, the storm is barely a minor inconvenience for Jesus. It's just another regular Tuesday evening for him. If he has confidence like that, you've got to be sure he has the supernatural power to back it up. If my biggest worry as a human, my worst nightmare, my greatest leviathan, doesn't warrant so much as an eyebrow raise from Jesus, he's the guy I want to put my full faith in. The best part is that this passage is not just a lesson of having faith that Jesus will show up at the end of the storm and make everything better. It's also a lesson of having faith that Jesus is sleeping in our boat with us from the very beginning of the storm. I find it interesting that Jesus was sleeping in the stern, at the back, where the boat would have been steered from. A position of control. When it feels like we've lost control, it's a chance to have faith that he is actually steering our ship and saying to us, don't worry, I'm God, I've got this. And when we begin to trust that he does have control, we can start finding ourselves in a place where we have the faith and the peace to sleep in the storm too. I have Jesus with me, I'm not worried. But remember, having the most powerful person in the universe in our boat means nothing if we jump overboard at the first sign of a storm on the horizon. Okay, so Mark doesn't leave us hanging. As we know, Jesus does eventually wake up when the disciples rouse him. Silence. Be still. The wind and the waves obeyed. I wish I was as obedient to God as the Sea of Galilee. 
Um, that is the authority of God right there. Remember, he's the one who told the dry land and the ocean to separate when he created the earth. Of course, he can command the waves. Jesus turned to his disciples and speaks his first words to them since he woke up. Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Seriously, do you actually still have no faith after everything you've seen me do? He doesn't get an answer. But the disciples have a life-changing moment of reflection. Who then is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Like what? He speaks with authority. He forgives sins. He touches people and they're healed from terminal illness. He drives demons from the possessed. He speaks a word and the demonic depths of the sea bow at his command. Leviathan faints at his sight. The darkness flees and evil cannot raise a finger in his presence. Instead of being crushed by the power of the wind and the waves, his power crushes the wind and the waves. Who then is this? Surely who he says he is, the Son of God. This is the glory of God on display. He has the final say in every storm. We need to have these moments, like the disciples, where we stand in just awe of our God's sovereignty. Let's not forget that he is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think. That's what we need to somehow hold on to when our faith leads us outside our comfort zone. It's a really tough one, though, to accept that we often have to endure adversity when we put the kingdom of God first in our lives. But... If we place down our shield of faith and pick up our net again, going back to our old way of life, only staying within our comfort zone and having concern only for the self, we may be missing out on seeing the glory of God shine through into this world. When we sincerely leave our nets behind us and decide to follow Jesus all the way, no ifs, buts, or ands, surrendering to him, receiving his grace, following him through the good times and the difficult. There is so much fruit to be bed. On the narrow road to the narrow gate of life, we can't avoid bumping into Leviathan, but we can stand against him with the confidence of our Lord's presence. When we have faith in the storm, when we know deeply that all things work together for the good of those who love God, we can sleep in the storm. And when we can sleep in the storm, we get, to see, we get the chance to see God's glory shine through. In Christ, the storm will not overcome us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you that you are with us in the storm. I just want to pray for those right now who feel that they are in the midst of the storm right now. And pray a blessing over them, uh, that you'd be giving them a spirit of reassurance um, and bolstering their faith, helping them know that you're in the storm with them, that you're sleeping in the boat, that your power is so much greater than anything that can come in our way. I pray when, that, when those leviathans come up in front of us that you'll be reminding us to look to you, not to look the other way, not to run away, but to take on the challenge because we know you're by our side every day, and we can trust in you. Amen. Oh,